0: Be some
1: brilliant fucking mark twain shit because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone
0: uh
2: it's a labyrinth
0: yeah it technically call? it's Not a no. labyrinth <laughs> <laughs> remind me to tell you a funny story about that joke in brazil okay
1: <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Over here, all the boys.
3: Episode of Who Will Survive. This is your host, Paul, and with me, as always, is Marco. What's going on? Hey, hey,
2: good, good, good. What's up, man? Uh, not much,
3: not much. Um, so, we uh, have another bonus episode. Like I said, this is yes. uh, another one where we uh, reached out to somebody who made a movie that I had found and was was uh, really interested in learning some more about, and we got the person who created this movie to come on and, and join us to talk a little bit, but. Before I introduce him and the movie itself, uh, I just have one thing that I want to ask you, Marco. Sure. Uh, I want to know uh, where's that beard at? Beard's on the face. <laughs> I said, where's uh, that beard at? The beard's on the face.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> what
2: you
1: say? <laughs> I said, the beard's on my face. I Love it.
3: Uh... <laughs> which is great because we both have beards
1: yeah <laughs> oh, exactly <there> <laughs> <laughs> so it's
3: even more relatable oh my god uh, great the the, uh, the movie is called dave made a maze
0: hey oh. what the hey baby welcome home what is this i built a labyrinth have you been working on this all weekend um uh, i'm lost it's cardboard i know
2: but it's much bigger on the inside
1: I'm going into the maze. No! I don't
0: want you to get lost. Okay, just ignore
3: me. Do what you're doing. Put some music over this. It'll be a montage. It'll be awesome.
2: Can we go in the maze now?
1: Let's go. Stop!
2: Go, 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 go.
3: It is bigger. (laughs) (laughs)
1: This place is... They're double
2: Okay, I think we're good. Oh Yeah!
1: Get out of here Follow me
0: Okay, I can explain it. I can explain everything. No, I can't. Ah! Yeah. No! No! Yeah. Instead of trying to defeat the maze, we've got to complete the maze. We're not just doing that because it rhymes. Well, then, how about instead of trying to
2: diminish it,
0: you guys help me finish it?
2: Oh! Yes! Yes!
3: He's back. <laughs> made by uh, Bill Watterson, who is with us. So how's it going, Bill? Yes.
0: Very well. Very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and you, you know, just Not not made just by me, obviously. There's an army. Sure, sure. No, course, <laughs> an of army course. of people that made that thing come to life. It would actually but thank be, you. I'm psyched to be here. It would be very impressive cool. if you did it all by yourself. Yeah, yeah right that'd be a very different movie yeah. hey quick question was that uh with me as always is marco is that a is that a wayne's wayne's world reference no
3: no it isn't uh, oh actually. no
0: uh, is hey, and with how they, him as he's... always is garth
3: no. right <laughs> all pissed
0: uh, off at the have... end. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah what the hell man <laughs> no, I'm, <kidding. laughs> I'm not trying to you know fan <laughs> this <flames laughs> or anything i'm just
3: <laughs> It probably snuck it's into a my pop head. Culture from culture
0: reference. That's all. That's all. It probably yeah, just yeah, no.
3: you know <laughs> snuck into my head from back then. So, <laughs> right. I definitely grew up watching that movie. Yep, Yep. Uh, cool. No. Um. The the movie came out last year, and I know you guys probably spent quite a bit of time making this whole thing. Uh, I just had found it not too long ago when I when I first posted about it on Instagram, and then you had saw it. Uh. So how hmm. how did you get to you know, you're releasing and everything. Like I know it's so weird with movies now where it goes through like festivals and then it becomes available to the public and stuff.
0: So yeah, it can, it can really, uh, you know, it, infinite ways that it can end up getting out there.
3: This but technically we, was a 2017 release, right? As far yeah, as to the ours,
0: ours was a pretty traditional route in, in that regard. I mean, it took us, we had a, we had a draft of the script that we were excited about. It wasn't finished, but it was a story we were excited about. Steve Sears had written it mm-hmm. and, um, John Charles Meyer wanted to produce it with me directing. And, you know, it, from that point to where we had a world premiere at the Slamdance Film Festival in Park City it was over five years. Um, mm. I mean, the script, you know, took on a lot of iterations. Characters were dropped, ideas were dropped, new themes sure. were brought in or, 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 or um, really identified and highlighted. Um, actors got attached, couldn't be involved anymore. Fundraising fell through, came, came, came together fell through you know it was a really long process but we shot it in uh may of 2015 we had like 20 days in a single soundstage in here in glendale california the apartment everything was all on the soundstage we built everything sure um wow and uh and then we had enough money basically to shoot it, but not enough to finish it. So <laughs> we went back to sort of raising some money. We did a rough cut, showed it to some people, tried to get some more money, tried to add some things. That, mm-hmm. The The film climaxes in an actual functioning animated zoetrope. Um, that hadn't been, you know, we got accepted in Slam Dance. Slamdance. You know, we hadn't even shot, built, shot, edited, designed, any of that. Um Right, right. The, pop, the puppet scene came later. You know, a lot of that stuff we sort of cobbled together mm-hmm. piecemeal um, as we were approaching getting ready to share it. And then we got in Slime Dance. So I was like, oh, God, finish it, finish it. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> and we had, the, we had the world premiere uh, January 2016, I think, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. No, no, no. No, it was January 2017. Sorry. January, yeah, January 2017 world premiere. And um, uh, we got offers. Up in Slam Dance for distribution, went back and forth. There's, you know, then there's a lot of negotiating. We won the Slam Dance Audience Award, that gave us some leverage. Mm. Started winning a couple more awards, um, and we're negotiating back and forth, and ended up getting uh, a distributor for North America called Gravitas Ventures. Sure. Um, and then they had their strategy for we would release VOD and in theaters at the same time. They wanted to do a theatrical release, which was, you know, a lot of people don't get to do that anymore. There's reasons no. not to do it. Sure, it's, sure. It's very, it, You lose money most of the time, and we were no exception. But right. um, there's certain... I don't know how detailed, it, how interesting, it's, it's frankly not interesting to me because I'm not, I'm not very good at any of this stuff. But, <laughs> you know, if, if you, I believe if you release, there's a list of certain like 25 markets. And if you release theatrically in 10 of them, you hit a certain threshold for how you are marketed on iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, and you get the in theaters now label. Right. Which oh, okay. increases your profile, increases the sort of the platforms they'll put you on or the advertising buy or of course the price point or something like that. Like it, it, it affects how it's rolled out. So that was just our motivation for doing a theatrical release. And then what was nice for us is it was just, we were just trying to target those 10 cities and we we're like, okay, of this list of, and I'm making these numbers up. It's like maybe there's 25 cities and of these mm-hmm. 25 cities here are 15 that we'd love to be in, um, but we only need to get 10. So let's see what we can get. And, we hit that ten, and then we started just getting calls from you know Alamo draft houses and yeah. you know smaller smaller art house theaters, and they they had heard about the movie, seen it on a festival, that kind of thing. We started winning more and more awards, and fe- we kept going on the festival circuit this whole time, and um, getting these one off two night screenings, weekend screenings, a week run here, a week run there, some some small towns. Remember the Osseo Theater up up northern California or north of here anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really much much smaller markets, but but theater owners that got wind of it and wanted it, which was great. So I right. think by the end of it, by the end of our initial theatrical run, we we played in, and this I'm definitely making up, somewhere between like 18 and 21 cities, which again, that's not, you know, in a giant country like ours, that's not saying much, but for, sure, sure, um, sure. you know, for, for, with this landscape where an indie movie, you know, rarely gets on a big screen at all. Um, even right. bigger movies never never get on a big screen anymore. Right. Um, and that, personally, for me, that was a thrill because I'm I'm old-fashioned. I want to see my movies Absolutely. in a theater. Absolutely.
3: Oh yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so this was the first movie that you had kind of uh, been involved, at least on the the writing and directing side. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm I know. As an actor, and if you've been, you know, producing or just production assistant, whatever that you obviously are somewhat involved in it. But how did you? Oh yeah, that's
0: nothing compared to <laughs> right, right steering the, steering the ship, super yeah. yeah.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you first get into the the
0: film business in general? Was it through acting or or work? It was actually through. Or... I was a musician in my twenties. I out of college, I moved to I actually lived over in Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, and played in rock and roll bands, and then. Mm-hmm. Came back to Cleveland, my hometown of Cleveland. Played in rock bands for a bit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, when you're in, when you're gigging at all, um, besides just locally, it's really tough. There are only certain kinds of jobs you can have, you know, catering, bartending.
1: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it limits you, um, and I was taking on all those kinds of work. You know, you're like, hey, we have a gig at CBGBs on Tuesday night. You're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what job's going to let me do that. Um, <laughs> right. So you end up picking up all these random jobs. And I had a, a childhood friend who works in film crews. She went to the American Film Institute out here in, for cinematography. And she was working on film crews in Cleveland when I moved home. Uh, and I think she thought I was right for it. You know, I'd, I, I, I would get it. I'd mm-hmm. get the speed, the pace, the work ethic. And I think she thought I would have fun, too. Right. Um, I had actually acted in her thesis film at AFI for her her. Cinematography thesis film um, So she You know She was really supportive And wanted To get me the job And thought I would enjoy it So I started as a PA Actually Okay um, And had a Decent You know if, if you do If you're in a small market Like Cleveland And you're not an idiot And you do well on a set You get Asked back So I, I strung sure. together A bunch right. of per- Production gigs like that Like casting assistant When um, Some game show Came to town Something Where people shout Bank What's that one? <laughs> I'm not sure a bunch of Clevelanders shouting bank at the wrong time and me filming them um uh I just had I had enough of a resume that when all the bands kind of blew up and I was turning 30 and uh a relationship imploded and all this stuff happened I was like well I could start over Mm. here in Cleveland or I could take this production resume um and go try to do something on a bigger stage so i came out to la and started working again right it you know tur- kind of turned my back on music because it was just too hard and, and hadn't turned a corner on it and and took all that production experience and started getting work right away out here and then just building that skill set on, on set paying a lot of attention hustling um and then the uh to take it even further the you know being on set is fun but i really miss performing that's i was never a songwriter, I was never like the ace you hire to kill it in the studio. I was right. the guy who went crazy on stage live, and everyone okay. was like,
1: "Wow!" Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, not that I was wowing people, but it well, felt like I felt like I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you you were. Come on. I, <laughs> so actually, we got the play up in Buffalo. Uh, oh, nice! I Can't remember the name of the club. I feel like it had like a American Indian name. Or oh, uh, Mohawk
3: Place. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Yeah, I've seen a yeah, bunch we of shows there, there with the
0: Weezer cover band we played with. Anyway, oh nice. Not important. You, that's um, cool. and uh, and uh, missing performance a lot, so I started studying at Second City and taking some some acting classes, some scene study classes and, and kind of took that performance jones out of um, out of music and into into acting and did improv and little bit little bit of theater not much really more more improv and sketch right and started acting in commercials and got a couple tv gigs here and there the some video some great video game work motion capture and voiceover stuff right um actually just did a part in uh well i did it a long time ago but it just came out um and i don't even remember what i was it was a really small part but i did a character in the new god of war that's gotten such good um
2: oh nice oh cool
0: such good reviews yeah it was the same team that did same uh writers that did lost planet and they directed lost planet 3 and and they had hired me as the main guy like the the protagonist in lost planet 3 so nice. when they had their 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 shot with god of war they brought all of us I, I think they brought everyone who had been in lost planet they brought us in for for roles in god of war but sure. anyway sure i'd forgotten i was in that game and then the, the writer reached out and was like hey you have
3: a PS4, I'll give you a download, and I
0: don't. So I was like, no. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
3: um,
0: I still can't figure out how to play Lost Planet Three. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I forgot I was in that. But um, oh, that's cool. Until a couple days ago. So uh, yeah, there, so there you go. I by then I had skill sets in front of and behind the camera. Sure, sure. And then um, you know it sucks. Being an actor sucks. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to tell everyone how great it is and it's magic, sure. and you get to play for a living. It fucking sucks. Oh yeah. You you you, you know you get to work. If you work 10 days out of the year, you're having a banner year. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do the rest of the time? Sure. I hear you. Um, I hear you know, you. And, and in order to stay active and in shape with it, you've got to be paying for classes, paying for theater space, paying for performance space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, getting, you know, you can't act by yourself. Um, right. So you have to get all this other stuff together, you know, and if you're the most people who are, like, writing, directing, acting aren't actually good at all three things, so their mm-hmm. work is not interesting. You know, it's just... It's not great. You're kind of in this passive position of always waiting to be picked, and it doesn't matter how great you do. I, I did an audition that I was really proud of, uh, and it's for a commercial, so who even cares? That's not art. And then <laughs> you see the commercial, and you know it's a heavy set woman half my age who got the part. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. what was yeah. that for? What was that for? What's the point of doing. And I get it. The point of doing great in an audition is—it's not about booking the job. It's about showing them you're great, and they'll remember you down the line. Da da da. But correct, even that payoff—like, I don't mean to be pulling the curtain back, but like—that's okay. Even you that know. payoff is kind of raw. Like, I I uh, interned for free for a long time at a casting director's office. Okay. It was Not fun. It was not work that I enjoy. It was eye opening, um, but it it was it was a slog. The commute sucked. The work sucked. I didn't sure. get paid. And then they just kept calling me, hey, can you be a reader? Can you be a reader? So you're working with producers and directors, and you're in the room reading with, like, big actors. And it's fun and it's exciting, but you're also not getting paid. Right. It's exhausting. Yeah. No yeah. one cares. Like, right. I was working with 50 Cent. He was in, we were cracking up, having a good time. I was actually reading as his character with the actresses who came in. And he's like, man, you make a pretty good black dude. Like, having a blast. <laughs> um, it's not like he's going to hang out with me or put me in the movie. No. Right, like right, that, right. You know. But then, you know, years after I had started doing all this work for free, I got a random call. Can you do a table read in an hour in Santa Monica, which is 45 minutes away? Um, <laughs> scramble down there, do the table read for free. Happened to have impressed the, I was just narrating, The you know, the actors had already been cast, but happened to impress the producers and director enough that they had me read for a part in the movie. And I had to prepare five different scenes. Um, right. Ended up booking the part. Finally, you know, three over the course of three years doing all this volunteer three to four years doing all this volunteer work, mm-hmm. got to a place where I was got a paid job and you know, I had a line in a movie. <laughs> sure. You know, like great. I mean it was great. And yeah. I was grateful and it was fun at the time and you yeah, can yeah, get yeah, yeah. that, you can build the other thing. But I mean, that's four years of sporadically working for free. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. say like, take the garbage out in, in a movie. Like, <laughs> what yeah. is that? Yeah. <laughs> and then
2: this, yeah, and, like, the, the uh, wow factor and nostalgia only lasts for so long after, you. like you said, you know, it might be a, a cool couple times sitting in a room and doing this and, like, hey, this is exciting. But, uh, yeah, man, after, like, a couple, you know, a couple of years go by, you're like, you know. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. do this anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, it, unless you get unless you can get lucky, get on a roll or maybe just be better than I was. Um and, and it really like a lot of people have that story but compressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was right, working right. at a casting office for three months and this guy took a shine to me and put me on camera and I got this part and that led to this. Right. But what kept yeah. happening is what I was doing wasn't leading to anything. Right. Right. Um, and right. I couldn't understand why Because it wasn't lack of effort It wasn't lack of staying in touch It wasn't lack of saying yes It wasn't lack of helping other people Right. Like finding them jobs getting I've gotten a lot of my friends Their first ever paid acting job um, mm-hmm. You know, spreading right. the wealth in that regard sure. um, uh, it, You know, knocking on doors Hustling But it, the, the acting just kept not catching steam i would feel like the momentum was there and i, I was firing on all engines and six right, eight right. months would go by nothing would happen i'd be like am i even yeah. an actor what i don't understand right uh, right but so then at one point you know i just wanted to be in the driver's seat of of my own life of my own being creative sure of seeing a project through to the end you know i had acted in a bunch of things that never ever came out right right they came out but nobody told me and i ended up finding them online and they were embarrassingly Awful. And like, <laughs> well, you know, we all put all that work in, and it just lacked vision. It lacked cohesion. It lacked. No one stuck right. the landing and post, whatever it is, you know. Right. Um. So it's like, let it be my fault. Let it <laughs> be my fault that it's not good, or that it didn't get finished, or that it didn't get made. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um. Instead of just being this this pawn, basically. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, hey, it makes uh, a lot uh, of sense. It, it. Yeah. It does. It does actually. So before you, um, um, yeah, bef- you know, before you got into actually uh, writing and directing with this movie, had you kind of just dabbled with that, uh, you know, done anything? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's not I really mean, I didn't credited. Do it out of so.
0: nowhere, um, sure. I did, you know, I I made I made some web shorts for a TV show that we were trying to get going. Um, that was not about dudes moving to LA and trying to figure it out. You know, <laughs> every Every idiot does when they're like, "I'm gonna make my own content." And you're like, "Nah, no, that's just white noise." Um, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we were doing this high concept thing about a rock band that was an espionage spy strike force. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, uh-huh. we made these like three, four minute episodes, took them soup to nuts. Was you know, spent a lot of time in trying to learn. Again, it was John Charles Meyer. We were both acting in it, and then we were. He, he had some editing background. And we were really trying to learn editing together, or or, or, or putting the footage into a Edit together, um, uh, and that was instrumental in being in the editing room. To being like, oh, those that ha- you know, that page of dialogue is accomplished by when he looks at her and he's mad. So let's mm-hmm. just cut it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, that was that was eye opening. That was great. Sure. Um, I wasn't. I mean, I was the the you know, I was the I was the force behind it, but I wasn't directing as much in the in the traditional sense because I was also acting in them. Right. Um, but I had you know, I had written them. So I was learning. I was learning storytelling, learning learning post, which is really important. Right. And then I was yes. also doing a um, hosting a vaudeville show, and I, re- I remember it was super fun, throwback, silly thing, but really, yeah, you know, magicians and 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 uh, like dysfunctional clowns, and it was just really fun. Nice one-liners and and physical comedy and everything. That's um, Here here in uh, Hollywood, second city Hollywood, and I remember like taking the running order. And the music and really dealing with pacing and what does the audience need and what's our theme. And if our theme is this, then we can do this, this and this. And like mm-hmm. that was also instrumental in, in kind of taking that step back and looking at the thing as a whole and being like, we can go from here watching, seeing how the dominoes fall, yeah. rearranging things so that it makes more sense. Um, and then having this super you know cathartic finale, that kind of stuff. That's right. when I was like, like, okay, I gotta, I, I, am seeing big picture stuff here, and I'm starting to get a handle on on how to do more than just put on a show, but actually have something mm. to say. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that, you know, that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then, the good thing about acting is, in the downtime, you know, it's it's what you make of it. So I, I went to the community college here, at LACC, and they had great professors who were like retired UCLA and USC film school guys, great, great um, professors, nice. men and women, and um. Took a bunch of filmmaking classes and did the same. You know, learned some cinematography terms so that I don't look like an idiot. Or at least I know the extent to which I look like an idiot in front of the cinematographer yeah. And earn <laughs> his respect by speaking his language enough <laughs> that he knows I'm making an effort. You know, and that he knows what I don't know. And I know what I don't know. Sure. Um,
3: well, and it helps to you know uh, the language yeah. just to convey that when you're when you're trying to make something, too. That you 100%. can say, like, hey, I'm looking for this kind of a look. Would that be like a this or a that? And, oh, okay, yeah,
0: I got it. So Right. Like I, 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 I've been an actor and been envious of directors who are like, I want to see this on the 25 and they're talking about lenses and I'm like, man, I don't know how to do that. Right. But I right. do know how to say like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to crush that background with a real nice shallow depth of focus. Cause I want, I, I don't want to be sure where we are at the beginning, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure, um, sure. And he'll, he'll know what, he'll know what that means. Right. Um, but you know, I'm also getting there, you know, I'm I'm new, I'm new, so I don't have to know everything. Yeah. Um, but that that gave me you know more tools in the toolbox a little bit more confidence. I definitely studied some film history, which gave me a sense of uh, context and so you know you you it is always worth paying attention to the masters, <laughs> whether or not you want to emulate them. It's sure it's worth taking in taking them in and knowing right. what you don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sure. that that helped a lot. And then I, I was just saying this. I forget in what context, but uh, if I had known how hard it was going to be to direct Dave Made a Maze. I don't think I ever would have done it. Really? <laughs> like, like I don't think until it started that any of us realized how massive an undertaking it was, how much responsibility it was, sure. How many things we had to be tracking, how many times we had to get lucky, how, yeah. how how much how how just how many questions you have to be able to answer if you're directing the film.
2: Sure. Did, did you, you know? immediately get like discouraged? Just going in there, like you know, day two. I'm just like,
0: I don't know what I'm doing, or
2: not. I um, don't know what you're doing, but you're like, what did I get myself into? I, I, it's I more fail, that, yeah. You know,
0: fail everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yeah, it's more that, like, like a, a, an intense sense of responsibility because I just remember that first day. Yeah. So many people showed up, yeah. and <laughs> did you know did so much so that we could be ready for that first shot. And right. It's like, <laughs> and I I've told yeah. this story a couple times, but you know. Uh, you, you know, remember in um, *Naked Gun*, Leslie Nielsen sneaks behind Frank Darabont. He ends up being the umpire at the baseball game. Yes, and, yes, and he's like trying right. to. I forget why he's there, but he's undercover. And they throw the pitch, and everyone's waiting for the call. And there's <laughs> a moment where he's right. like, "Oh, right, I have to, <laughs> yeah. I have to call the balls and strike. And that first day, everything was set up. Monitor was up. You know, it was a real shoot. Got script supervisor. Got the monitor. Got you know the mate. it was the it was. One of the opening shots of the, you know, Annie coming in the door. apartment looked great. The maze looked incredible. Smoke was coming out of it. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: You know, Mira
0: looks incredible. She's stunning on camera. Incredibly talented actress, Nick mm-hmm. Boone, blown up as a comedian. He's, like, hiding backstage, doing the lines, you know, right? because um, he's supposed to be in the in the maze and everything. I, I think at one point he actually did lay in there for some of that was just great. And, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, the same thing happened. Like, we're all staring at Monitor. Uh, AD is like, okay, let's roll camera, camera speeding, or or roll sound, sound speeds, uh, roll camera, camera speeding. Okay, we're all set. And we're all looking at the monitor, waiting for something to happen. And I was like, "Oh, right! I have to call action. That's me. I have to do that. I have to make." Yeah, exactly. I had to make. You know, and I'm not going to say that by the end of the movie, I was where Durbin was, like dancing and calling balls, making the audience go crazy. Yeah, but you know, it it was it was overwhelming. And this is this is something I haven't really said. Um, I don't think in any interview or, or, or or podcast or in public, but. You know, we made our day that first day. We got it all done. We had a movie, and everyone knew it. The train had left the station. The ball was rolling down the hill, gathering momentum. It was a real day, and we had a call sheet for the next day, and it was going to be a real day and Mm -hmm. for a real movie. And, like, we did it, you know? Right. And I I didn't feel, like, the pride or release or any of that. I went in my car. I was like, okay, guys, great. All right, we'll see you back at it tomorrow we'll see you guys cool and i sure, walked to sure. park really far away because i wanted all the actors to be able to park you know and i didn't want the crew to not have to walk too far so i was like three blocks away yeah um right and i just sat in my car and had like a mini breakdown at the yeah, end of that yeah. first day like i can't believe how hard this is and that Fair was enough. the first day like sure i started thinking and i was just in the apartment where we we knew we yeah. knew the set ahead of time. We had the shot list. We had, you know, we knew what we were there to do. Right. And there were, you know, it would start to come that there were sets that hadn't. None of the other sets have been built. That apartment took up almost all of our build space, mm-hmm. our shoot space, yeah. space. I mean, so it was coming where they were, you know, I, on that first day. I'm like, well, then what am I going to do? How am I going to shoot the origami scene in the origami right. room that hasn't been built yet? Right. I have no idea how to pull it off. Yeah, and it's not storyboarded because we don't know what it's even gonna look like or where the camera can physically go. All right, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what am I gonna do? Sure, it was day one. You know, yeah. But it, you know, by the end of it, you know, I caught a groove. I, I had a semi, I, well, I had a better, I had a good poker face mm-hmm. through through mm-hmm. most of it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of bathroom breaks that were you know breakdowns that no one saw. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, wow. you know, that, being an improviser and an actor comes in handy and stuff in, in that situation. Yeah. Know, um, just sort of being the, being the cheerleader and, um, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and you know, it, it started to be fun. There were days that were awesome. There were days that were impossible. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, like, no movie has enough time and enough money, blah, blah, blah. But we uh-huh. had of course. 68 feet by 45 feet. And twenty days, we weren't allowed to go into overtime with our actors. We had so little money, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. Like, our, our it, it just it's ridiculous. The sets were being built while we were shooting, so you'd call cut, and you know they're they're building ten feet away for right. the scene. You have to shoot in an hour, and the set's not even built. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was chaos, and it was incredibly challenging. And and if I had, it, I don't think. Um, I don't think uh, if I, if I had known how massive, massively challenging it would be, I don't think I would have done it. Right. Um, but you know, once it started, it was too late. You know, I wasn't gonna fail. I wasn't gonna fail right. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then now I go into things a lot better. Like I had a, a the the we were talking um, about. I was shooting in Victorville last week in a music video. You know, I had the whole thing. I had the shot list with all the looks. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew how I knew how everything was gonna cut together. And then you have to be flexible with all the, when the fit fan in real life. But yeah, you know, I was, I was way more prepared for that music video, um, than I was yeah. for, for David. Well, you,
2: what you did is you learned on the job, like no amount of training mm-hmm. is going to prepare you for day one. You know, and that goes for almost any career where it's like, you sit there, you get overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm doing, but at the end of the day, everybody goes, Hey, good job. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go throw up now. And, um, <laughs> but, but it's it's almost like, well, you know what? You got that. Out, I know, like, the nerves probably will never go away, but you actually got that out of the way where it's like, you can relax now. It's like, okay, you know. But, um, and that's that's actually uh, a very cool for you to open up like that and then in tell because it isn't always as glamorous as people want it to be. Like, you know, like, just it's so easy, you know, just roll camera, actors sure. do great. Okay, cool. We got to move. Yeah.
0: You know, that's. Cool. Right. I mean, there were, look, there were great days. There were tough sure. days. There were times but, when yeah, I had I get no there. idea yeah. what to do or say to get what I wanted and I had to let it go. And there were times when I was sitting in the editing room being like, well, all I needed to do was this, but I didn't know that then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right, and right. then there were days where we were all laughing and, and we knew we had done something special and just couldn't believe what we were seeing in front of our eyes. You know, the, obviously the advantage of doing everything practical effects is it's all there and you're looking at art and you're (laughs) filming it artfully and you're like this is amazing Mm, um and you know it 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 sounds cliche but i had an incredible team um it's not like i was the only one who wasn't gonna let us fail like everyone was invested everyone was bringing ideas to the table
1: yeah you know
0: not that it was directed by committee but i had I had the people I trusted and, and people felt like they could, um, you know, felt like they could collaborate. The actors felt that it was collaborative. The script supervisor was brilliant about making sure, you know, we, we, we destroyed every set at the end of every day. So if, if we didn't get a shot, we were never that, that in, room it, never existed again. So right, yeah, she yeah, was yeah, amazing yeah. about making, and the AD too, who had an incredible schedule. Yeah. She was amazing about making sure, like, we're not leaving this room until we have the scene. Well, Whether regardless right. of what we're up against, yeah, um, you know, and and having them have my back and knowing mm-hmm. that it was important to them too, um, was you know the only way it got done. Like it, it yeah, yeah. It, nothing is more collaborative than than making a movie, and and anyone yep. who thinks you know anyone who thinks that it's it's a a one-man show is, is, like, kidding themselves. Oh, yeah. Correct. That's I mean, right. you have to have you have to have vision. You have to set people up to succeed. You have to give them enough direction so that they don't feel directionless. Right, right. You have to make it clear that someone's steering the ship. Like I said, you ha- you have to be able to answer the questions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Because um, everybody, every department has a million questions, and you have to, if not have the answer, have an inspiring response. Yeah. Yes. Um, Great. Right.
3: So, you know, we've heard from a lot of people... That uh, creating the the movie itself is uh, is not just the one man show like you said. It's this collaborative thing where other people will go, hey, what if you did this? And you're like, oh God, I mm-hmm. would have thought of that. Or mm-hmm. you know, just everyone yeah. working together. Or you know, hey, hey, put down the camera and move this over here with me. Okay, sure. Like you know, especially yeah, I mean, on these these definitely... lower budget things where you don't have millions and millions of dollars to hire all these. You know, set builders and designers and hunt, rent a bunch of right. space and
0: and it's not a union shoot where you'll be penalized if you touch anyone else's thing. Right, because yeah, <laughs> you're right. not allowed to help. Uh-huh. not like the director is not allowed to help move the couch because the right. uh, you know it makes the art department union look bad or whatever the hell. Um, yeah, right. But um, yeah, I, it was definitely I I there. There's not a lot of. I mean, I have I I know when I do a thing. That I have a vision for it because I can't do it if I don't have that vision right. for it. Sure, um, that's how I funnel all of my questions. I funnel it through that vision, that theme, that right. I, that core idea. That's how I know how to where to put the camera, where to do this, how to do that, yeah. what to say yeah. when someone has a question. But at the same time, like I don't need to have my stamp on it. It needs to be complete and 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 thorough. But it doesn't have to be my stamp. It has to be the Correct. best idea. Yes, you know.
2: I'll, all I love hearing
0: that.
2: You, yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. That's, that's okay. No, I would just say I love hearing that when you when you could put your ego uh, at the door and you just kind of look. This is for we're making this uh, uh, the best. The best idea is going to get made mm-hmm. versus yeah. just my idea. So that's it's, that's. Yeah, it's not about
0: me. That. It's about the story. Right. 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 I mean, I'm I have to have the vision for the story, or everyone else is going to be like, why are we here?
3: Yeah. Um, but, right. You know. Especially a movie like this. There's so many moving pieces. And, and like you said, even the, the setting up for the next thing, you don't even know exactly how to set up for the next thing because you don't know exactly what the next thing is going to look like when it's finished. So. Right. You right. Know, you have these ideas and you're like, well, I think it's going to be like this, but let's see when we get there. So.
0: Yeah, we didn't have the we didn't have the pre production that a, a, a practical shoot like the practical effect yeah. shoot like this. You'd have blueprints and you could base your storyboards on the blueprints and those. But like we didn't we didn't have the time for that. We we had
1: um,
0: sure. it, it's complicated, but we got enough money to shoot the movie with a caveat that we had to have we had to start shooting right away, or we would have to give the money back. Okay, so we you know we had four weeks of pre production on a movie that would normally have three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we had a build space that didn't accommodate the sets, so instead right. of having all the sets built and then shipped, or or you know constructed um, uh, on on the location, we they were being built on the, as we went. So,
3: right.
0: uh, you know, the, the the kinds of preparation that I I would know I would need to do for a shoot now, we, it wasn't an option. Right. Um, it was just I don't know, get it done. I don't know. Yeah, how, yeah. let's just get it done. You know. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, it, it's and I don't know how consciously this was done. I, I I can remember one specific example where I actually did sort of shut someone down because I ha- I had my brain trust of what I needed right. of, of, of who, who I talked about, and then someone was like walking by and was like, I thought you were gonna da da da, and I was like, dude, don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I it can't it can't be a set where every single person is like. Why doesn't she do this? Yeah, I think it'd be right. funny. It's you can't, right. you can't do that. You can't do that. I've been an actor on that set, and it was chaos. And the AD came up to me and was like, "Do you think it'd be funny if you were this instead?" And I was like, "Who the, f- <laughs> I, I my job is to please the director. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, I've done my <laughs> preparation. Here's exactly. how I'm doing the line. And if the director wants the line differently, fine. I don't yeah, know yeah. your name. You can't walk up to the actor and just start telling him to do something differently." when you're the ad that's not your job you sure. know yeah, yeah. um so you have to you have to have clear you know you have to have that clear it, it's interesting cuz it's it's everybody in indie filmmaking is like whatever gets it done but you also mm. have to have the clear division of, of of labor or it becomes chaos and and you have to be the director who's like i'll be the one that talks to the actors i'll be right. the one that you know it it, it it's mm. interesting it's a real balance of like the, let's i'll always defer to the best idea uh-huh. but i am always in charge right sure. right you know, so you have to have an atmosphere where everyone feels like I don't know how interesting this is to you guys, but you have to have this atmosphere oh, uh, no, where everyone feels like they can contribute and they feel like they're contributing. They take that ownership uh-huh. and and they and and they're contributing, but they're contributing within their lane. Yes, if that makes yes. sense. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, and they feel free uh, and unshackled and creative within their lane, within their department. And then also, you have to make sure they feel appreciated for that too. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to make sure you're letting everyone know that you're seeing what they're doing and contributing, and and that you appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And and how much it means to you and how much it means to the show. Right. Um. And it's tough. It's it's not something you can do every minute of every day. But but yeah. Um. I think it creates an atmosphere where people feel safe, but they also feel free. And those two things don't always go together. Right. Right. Uh. You know, freedom can quickly lead to recklessness. Safety can quickly lead to laziness or, you know, disconnecting because you're like, well, if he's got it all set then I'm not, I'll am i just phone this one in because he's doing, you know, um, so and, and I don't know how much of that I was able to do consciously. I know I'm aware of it mm-hmm. being on terrible mm-hmm. sets. You know, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of student films, low budget films as an actor. Right. You know, I, I, as a PA, I would work on, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Well-Oiled Machines, Major... HBO productions and, mm-hmm. and, 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 um, more significant work. And then as a, as an actor, I would work on the lowest of the low, the right. student <laughs> films, the, the no budgets, the, the, the wannabes yeah. and, you know, knowing how something's supposed to work and then seeing how it's done horribly dysfunctionally.
1: Sure. It was great yeah.
0: because I could always, I was I actually, and so did my producer, John Charles Meyer is a brilliant actor. So he had done the same. Uh, we did a lot of sh- short films and student films together actually, sure. um, as actors. So, you know, we were like, here's what's not going to happen on our set. Sure, sure. Um, And like, we had our list. We had our running list of like, here's the stuff that shuts me down as an actor. And I don't want any of my actors getting shut down because of this BS, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, there's a degree to which we didn't have enough money to control all of that. And we couldn't protect everyone from every shitty thing that happens on a movie set that has no money. Sure. Um, But we definitely had an atmosphere. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Like, when I see the actors now, they talk about how much fun they had. I know Nick is very proud of that film, not just because he was yeah. doing something, you know, spreading his wings in a way he doesn't always get to do. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, we he would always text me from these other film sets and being like, man, I wish we were just making you know i wish it was just our thing because that was special this is a drag <laughs> you know yeah um, or no, some version good. of that i mean i don't mean to shit on projects nick's been involved in tangentially that's not what i'm trying to do um <laughs> i'm just i'm just trying to say it like the even the actors yeah, yeah. some of whom i was like i was in awe of like james Urbaniak walked on my set and i was like what what is going on no, like 90s. he i've been a fan of his for a long time the hal hartley movies in the '90s, like. Why is he here? Why did he show up? Why is he here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and how am I supposed to tell him what to do? Uh, what the <laughs> hell do I know? Yeah, it's James or Bannyac, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, in getting to see them and staying in touch with everyone and, and running into people, it's always it's this wonderful thing we shared. I mean, yeah, we were in the trenches, especially with the crew. It's more war stories. Oh, we're laughing sure. our asses off at like how crazy things were. But um, with with the actors, you know, they, they never went into overtime except maybe once or twice for half an hour here, an hour there. Um, you know, it was, it was somewhat chaotic and uncomfortable, but everybody knew what they were getting into. Everyone walked onto the sets and saw the art and the magic and everyone came out for all the Q&As and, yeah. you know, they're really supportive of the film and, and throughout its theatrical release and, you know, all, all the main cast said yes when I was like, hey, can I come by with the puppet version of you and shoot a shoot a promo for Hulu. They're like, oh my God, we're on Hulu. Yeah, come on, I'm I'm free this afternoon. Let's go do it. <laughs> nice. You know, um, every, everybody was just really down. Which, sure, sure. You know, the, for for making that movie and now going forward in my career, having, having that movie as a calling card, it was a litmus test. Like, you send that script to someone and they're yeah. either going to go, this is dumb or you yeah. need a million dollars to pull off even one of these scenes. You're crazy. Yeah. Or they read it and go, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Let's yeah. try yeah. to make yeah. that happen. You know, so yeah. anyone who said yes to the movie, like we didn't have auditions, we didn't have table reads and chemistry reads. We just made it's called offer only. We're like, hey, you want to be in the? You want to play this part? It was yes or no. And if you nah. said yes, yeah. it's because you got it. You know, you sure. knew it was crazy. You knew our reference points. You knew what we were trying to do, and you were all in. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of now in my career as a, as a calling card. It's like you're gonna like the movie or not right, 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 right. within the first five minutes. So you're not like gonna get fooled into thinking it's No, we say it you know how ridiculous our movie is in the beginning right um we're not trying to pull a fast one on anyone right Um, right and you're either like oh great awesome i'm Mm -hmm. on board or you don't like it which is fine right um but it's been great for me in my career with like when you take general meetings or people who you know meet producers who like want to get your next movie made. they're they get the movie right away they're not going to meet with me if they don't like the movie Sure, um, of course. So it's a great litmus yeah. test for them, too. They're like, oh, I like his mind. I want to work with him. Or like, yeah, I no, thanks. Like, great. Why would we waste each other's time? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Right. Uh, I was going to say, why don't we uh, get into actually talking about the, the inspiration and the story of the movie itself? Because uh, there's, there's a lot there. How... I know you're credited as a writer and as co writer mm-hmm. of this movie, but um, you know, where did this whole idea come from? Was this something that you and the other writer sat down and kind of hammered out or did you you know, were you guys friends and kind no, of got some Steve, ideas around?
0: Yeah, Steve and I Steve and I met at um, Second City. He used to do the vaudeville show. It was an mm-hmm. integral part of the vaudeville show that I talked about. Um okay. and he uh, if I remember correctly, he was working on a script called Operation Death Maze. He loves horror, he loves, you know. Uh, the grindhouse. He loves all that stuff. Sure. Um, and he was working, he had worked in reality TV do, as, a, as a logger where you like log all the footage. So he had dealt with the character James Urbaniak plays reality TV, that language so much. Sure. And, he's and he, you know, like all of us, he's a frustrated creative um, and had all these big ideas and nothing was, Happening, there was nothing was getting finished. So, right, right. He, um, he's working on Operation Operation Death Maze. Somehow, at some point, I told him a story, uh, that a true story of um a fort that I'd built in my bedroom. With, okay. Uh, my childhood friend John Richards. It was amazing. You know, it was all, all pillow and um, blanket fort, but it had, mm-hmm. you know, we made like chambers and halls, and the light was different from room to room, and it like it was great. We were just in there all day. It was the mm-hmm. coolest fort. And then we were going to John Richard's house for dinner. So I left my mom a note. Hey, going to John. He lived a block away. Go to John. Um, my mom came home and didn't see the note. She starts calling for me. I'm not answering. She starts panicking. Uh, she opens. And this is I nice. Don't, I don't get this at all. But she opens the door to the bedroom, <laughs> sees the fort, and assumes that I'd gotten lost within it. And it starts <laughs> like, tearing it down, calling my name. And after a few minutes is like, okay, I'm being an idiot. Yeah, and then, weird. and then, discover the note. <laughs> blah blah blah. Fort was ruined. Was never the same. We tried to rebuild it. Kind of destroyed my childhood. Not, a, not the right. Point. <laughs> um, but so I told Steve that story, and I think he really latched on that that fact
1: yeah. idea
0: of being lost in in a, in a room. Like, how could you be lost? Right. It doesn't make sense. Um, right. You know, right. he just cranked out a draft. He had he had a really strong draft with all the major set pieces, the origami room. You know, the hair, the James Baniac character. I think uh, I think a significant portion of the, the the Dave monologue about like do you know what it means to be broke it means right. you're broken right. you right. don't work um, he had uh, the the uh, it was a, a male character that we swapped because we didn't have enough girls into Bryn turning into the paper um, the Minotaur was there with a, with a I think already with a cardboard head um, okay. you know that early draft 60, 64 pages it was it was all there. Um, and then, you know, not long after that, when it was like, let's actually do this, uh, as I was trying to come around to it as a, as a director and as someone who also can write and has written, Mm -hmm. uh, I started identifying for me what the themes were and kind of making sure the characters, you know, everything was being fed through that theme. So everything had a logic to it. An internal logic, even if it was crazy, it had an internal logic. And then, combining characters, sure. doing some table reads with friends, thinking about what landed, what didn't, um, taking passes at certain scenes, um, and then sitting, you know, eyeball to eyeball, both as improvisers and actors, working our way through scenes and making each other laugh and finding what worked and what didn't. Right. Um, you know, there's there there were characters that got dropped. There were characters that got combined. There mm-hmm. uh, there were more, more deaths. Um, originally, because there were three more characters that had really spectacular deaths that we never could have afforded to do. Sure. Um, right. There was, uh, you know, the, the the idea that the blood and the gore be um, string and yarn and like craft that came Ribbons, yeah. pretty late in the game. Uh, that was not that was not a starting point at all. That was very very late in the in the, We had a draft. We were ready to shoot, and we were like meeting at production companies um, when that idea got pitched. Um, again, mm. best idea wins that idea got pitched yes. and I don't, I don't even remember by whom I, I always assume it was our production designer, Trisha gum, but, um, it was organic. It happened organically in the room. So I don't remember who, whose
1: yeah, idea yeah. it was,
0: but then once we were there, it's like, okay, now we got to go back to the beginning and everything has to be like this. Like the, you know, that, that everything has to turn to paper. Everything has to be paper. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, we always talked about what happens to, normal things when they get in the maze what happens to sound what happens to music what happens to their voices what happens to so? then things like you know we had we had shot the whole movie and had a, an assembly that you could sit down and watch and it was a very modular film because they're going from room to room um mm-hmm. and we're like well what else what more sure. and then we wrote the puppet scene after we'd already shot and edited the, not fully edited but assembled the entire movie okay we're like, well, he—they climb down this thing, and then they come out of this slide. Anything can happen in between there. Right. Um, the production designer came up with the Looney Tunes pipe falling oh, no, a pipe gag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, right. You know, That's which awesome. was shot eight months after we shot the movie. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then the the puppet scene became a thing, and it's like, okay, well, if we can't bring the actors back, but we're gonna do some ADR, which is bringing them in to do some like voice recording stuff. Yeah so let's have them record voices and if we can only have their voices then they'll just turn into puppets and two of the characters don't talk so and neither does the minotaur. so that's money we don't have to spend on actors on set yeah yeah. um and then if we're gonna do that let's make it count like what did we not get to do because of budget and restraints we didn't get to do like a a walk and talk because you can only walk 10 feet and you're off the set so right let's have the puppet scene be a nice sense of like actual moving walking right right um and then obviously we didn't have we didn't have a stunt budget and I, we're not willing to take any risks with our actors so the the traps the booby traps weren't as necessarily as deadly or as frequent <laughs> as they were in original drafts so it's like great there, well, we've yeah. got these puppets we've got we can swing these things overhead they're 3 feet away from, yeah. you know they're locked down 3 feet away from anyone's hand uh, everyone feels safe and comfortable. Let's let's up the booby trap ante. You do a locked off camera gag. Throw the darts. Everyone's you know there's no human beings anywhere around. Everyone's real safe. And now we've got darts and a spike ball and a hammer and you <laughs> yeah. know then that, now suddenly it's a it's a less safe place, but it's also more right. more fun. You know. And then of course, winkingly, Gordon's character says, "Well, I suppose this was only a matter of time." It's like, yeah, of course we're going to do that. Why why wouldn't we do that? Why wasn't that in the script? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right, beginning. right you know and then also the emphasis uh there there was a bit of a moment you know when they when they when they come out Annie says we're home and you think that they're home and they open it and and the maze has outgrown itself
3: right yeah
0: um that moment wasn't really landing as hard as i had thought and it was because we knew that there was this false mission of dave can you get us home but we weren't hitting it that hard in the script so if we were going to shoot a new scene let's also reinforce that false mission so that right. that moment mm-hmm. is more of a gut punch so she's mm-hmm. like you know can you get us home um you know and he says everything and he keeps repeating everything will be okay when we get back to the apartment everything will be okay when we get back to the apartment right it's like we, we we hit that on the head a lot harder so that then that moment of we're home actually no we're not mm-hmm. okay that mission right. has to be abandoned we need a new mission mm-hmm. um you know that that sort of uh, clicked a lot a lot stronger yeah. sure You know, it wasn't just my point being like it wasn't just let's have puppets because we can have puppets or let's make the movie longer or it wasn't indulgent. It was like, if we're going to do this, obviously, there's a payoff for the production design standpoint. And it's kind of logically what you would expect to happen. It's a lot of people's favorite scene and it's going to be very fun. But Mm -hmm. if we're going to do it, let's look at what the movie needs and make sure it's all there as much as possible. Right. right. You know, make every frame count, like drive it, drive it home. Like, I, I don't know how many times I'm watching stuff where I'm like, this is meandering. This is, I'm not (laughs) learning anything. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's happening. I mean, I can watch, you know, European, you know, French New Wave. Nothing happens. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, right. but, But, but every frame counts. I think there's that's a reason the reason uh, that the things are
3: there. That's that's the thing that works so well in this movie is you know that everything is constantly moving and yes. I, I had mentioned before about moving pieces, but there's literally so many moving pieces in the movie where every time you turn it's it's something different either the room has taken on a different life or there's something innovative about the part of the maze that they're in or something Mm -hmm. happens to the people like they turn into puppets or they turn into holograms Mm -hmm. or like and you know there's even at one point where they're like is this permanent and they said nothing in this in this maze is permanent (laughs) they have the uh the kind of a step aside scene where they're having the coffee and the wine and they're kind of going uh, the emotional to climax
0: scene. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I w- which i mentioned to Hal Hartley earlier that's very much uh, an homage to, to him that's something he would do in a lot of his movies where mm-hmm. the characters would swap dialogue and as they did so the same words would have completely different meaning
1: Sure.
0: Um, and I was yeah. also reading something uh, I was reading some book on I get stressed out and unhappy all the time so I sometimes I read <laughs> some stupid books I was reading some book on like a beginner's guide to Buddhism or something stupid like that. Right. Um, and there was some story about, you know, the same or some point about, you know, the way the way a lover eats their soup with a spoon can either be something that drives you mad and leads you to breaking up with them, or it can be something that you, you can choose to have it be just some endearing thing that you love about them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that was like, okay, you're going to say the same things, and here <laughs> you're choosing to drive it, have it drive a wedge between you. But as you work through your relationship and go through these cycles, Mm -hmm. now you're going to say the same things, but now they're flirting. Right. And now you're going to say the same thing again, but now it's from a place of we are so in love and nothing, not even this maze, which is collapsing around us. Right. Right. Ever break us apart. You know, great exact same dialogue. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but with completely yeah, I, different... I, yeah,
3: exactly. Sure. Uh, no, what about the, the script writing or, or, I guess, non-script writing? Was there a ton of ad-lib stuff that you guys just did a bunch of takes and then cut it all together? Or I know you had kind of talked about the yeah, table was... reads to work out a lot of it because some of it is just yeah. so crazy and, and they're like, did they think of this ahead of time or did they just come up with this shit on the spot? or? <laughs> well, Steve,
0: you know, Steve's a great improviser, so his mm-hmm. dialogue feels like people being spontaneous right um you know like where's that beard at we were screwing around at the at the top that was that's in the script word for word you know and like it seems like this thing that old friends would do Mm -hmm. um you know their whole lives and the actors would have brought to the table because it makes no sense but that was in the script word for word and it's great because that's that's what you want to do you want you know the hack version is like well, you know, Dave, ever since fifth grade when we met, we've been friends. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. But then you ha- you have them do this. They riff on something, and you're like, these guys have known each other forever. Yeah. yeah um, you know, and yes, Adam best. and Nick had met an hour before shooting that. Right. Um, well, but they... you put that in the script, and you're like, great, there. Yeah. They've known each other forever. Yeah. They definitely made so it believable. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Right.
3: Yeah, Gordon is great. at stuff that. He has character. the
0: best lines great. in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he he's so sardonic, and it's interesting. Adam was a very different performance than what I had heard in my head, but like so good. Yeah, so solid. Um, but we had a lot of good improvisers on set. Actually, mm-hmm. our two best improvisers uh, are the camera crew, and they didn't have any lines, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but um, sure, <laughs> they're amazing <laughs> second city improvisers. They're so life. good. Yeah, well, I knew they'd be perfect. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And their physicality and their sort of the abbot and of of their their, their bodies and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that was totally deliberate. I knew that I was gonna I knew that I was gonna pop. But there was there was a lot of riffing. Um, I probably needed to do a better job of controlling that because there were some scenes where I had to get really creative in the edit edit page. because i'm like they won't shut up i need to get out of this room <laughs> and i don't i don't have any takes where they just shut the fuck up and get out of the room you know yeah, exactly um and that's on me you know it's yeah. totally on me but i did sure. i wanted you know that's that balance i was talking about people mm-hmm. see, feeling free right it's like i didn't want to be the bad guy and discourage people from cutting loose and riffing but i didn't mm-hmm. need it you know the, the script was all there um you there right. but there are there are nice reaction moment um that i love and some a lot that i couldn't use because you know we had to keep moving Mm -hmm. um there's uh, one of the dvd extras is james urbaniak just riffing and i could have left i could have left all of it in but we just (laughs) needed to get out of the room but like and he's you know do what you're doing just you know she's going to the maze just ignore me do what you're doing yeah and then he starts riffing and he's like he's like uh he's like "What, what 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 am i gonna what am i gonna wear in the maze uh should i should i bring a scarf yeah. And she's, you know, she's like ignoring him and packing He's like, yeah, p- pick that up. No, no, throw that down. You don't need that. Throw that down. Yeah. And like, and he always he goes, starts like directing her. He's oh, always like, so he's like, and fun. in your own
3: words. In your own words.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's Steve having worked in uh, reality TV, having heard all those hack producers. Oh, I know. Right. You know.
3: Yeah, that, Say exactly
0: that, what I'm saying, but in your own words. That character you know? is great too. I
3: like, like
2: how he gets the words wrong too. <laughs> all the, right, right.
3: All the like, the forced interview things just ended up being some little thing in there that was funny every time yeah, uh, yeah you, you right. know just something stupid every time like uh my, my favorite one is when he's interviewing leonard at the beginning and he's like well instead of building a maze he could have been sucking a veiny dick for money on right. kickstarter <laughs> that's he's like how, that's, that's not, not how, how kickstarter, kickstarter works, works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's one
0: of my favorite lines i just laughed so we hard had some, we had some pretty <laughs> raw stuff there actually with him and him and leonard that was really funny oh, that was um funny. but uh yeah uh, <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely spontaneous moments in there but it's not it's not the stuff you'd think it's like small like at one point dave is handing out he's like let's finish this maze i've got i've got tape i've got so much cardboard yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and the line was just like i've got tape i've got scissors i've got cardboard you know um yeah. and, but obviously that's that's much funnier and, and in, in a nice way self-referential you know
3: sure sure right. Right.
0: um i think uh and some of it had to be crafted in the edit because we we stuck there too long, um, but the the you fuck my wife thing that got yeah you know that game got right. a little messy, uh, but you know <laughs> we just we found a way in the edit to have it just be right. James, which is what he does constantly correcting you know yeah it's just in fact there's no did it's just, <laughs> you know um and we use that to cut to cut around the moments of improv that were a little fat you know no, nice nice um, right. But I think you know. I think I I think about this a lot because I want to keep working with very funny, very sharp, present people, sure, um, and have them feel free. But it's like, okay, maybe I've got to get, maybe I've got to say, let's get it, right, get it by the books, and then let's have fun, or okay, let's blow it out. Now, okay, now that we're feeling it, let's get it by the books, right, right. Um, You know, something like that. Because there there were moments where I was like, man, I I I had to get, I had to work really hard and edit and know the footage in and out to Mm -hmm. like. Okay, see when he looks to the left there, use that over the dialogue that he said in the one take where he didn't improvise, Right. and that will accomplish, that gets the script, because um, they were just riffing too much, you know? Right. Nah. No, and that's not, yeah. again, that's 100% on me. Like, I was, I was trying to set the actors free. Um, yes. But then it meant that, that a lot of times I had to get really creative to simplify and just get the moment that we were there to get, you know, that I didn't necessarily <laughs> capture in, in, in a master or a two-shot. You right. know I had to use sometimes I had to use footage from from completely different moments and and use like i eye, eye, eye moves and head turns and real you know triggers right um, mm-hmm. which is that's you do that in every movie but but I, I definitely had to do it a lot because of specifically because um I was just letting them, them riff and and I didn't know how to tell them. I was in the language of like, Okay, okay, everybody, settle down. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Yeah. That will come with practice. There I'm were definitely sure. things that happened spontaneously not spontaneously, but you know, there's bless James Urbanak, there he, he won't do something if it doesn't feel true, which is why all of his performances are brilliant and you could use any take that he ever does um right. there was a, a beat in the Bryn interview that wasn't feeling right to him it was a repeat of the gag he's like i think it's just just a repeat of something we've already done what if you know and he was in thinking about harry and what he wants and he's you know and and we sat with it i was like cool let's talk about this and we he came up with that moment where he's like uh you know we're really getting to something deep here um do you feel trapped Bryn? Mm-hmm. you know that was that was james being like no let's i think harry would this this and this you mm-hmm. know yeah. And we just had we had a, yeah. a, a, another gag, you know. Right.
3: Yeah, that was a great scene too, because it really got kind of dark and serious there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And that came that came from James, you know. That that was not in the script for sure.
3: Yeah. Um, and it was cool too, because it was kind of a, a clever way to like establish the exposition of how to defeat the Minotaur and and what yep. you know, makes them work yep. and whatever. So it kind of gave everyone the information that they needed, but without just straight up beating you over the head with it, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, and actually, the sense the. That of the horror elements into this movie too, is because it's like, yes, it's funny. These guys are funny, but is this actually serious? And, uh, um, I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to spoil things, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad uh, you can edit this out, Paul, if you don't want it. No, you things, can, but, uh, I'm spoil glad that it, so. the people who died, stay dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was a big, that was a big discussion for sure. But like, yeah. um, yeah. you know, there was another, there was another fix in that same scene while we're there. Um, just for clarity, kind of what we were dancing around but not saying was that, you know, the Minotaur is, because it, it was true metaphorically for us, the Minotaur is a physical manifestation of sort of the dark side of Dave, the side of, yeah, yes. you know, yeah. he's basically chasing himself. It's the, the, his fatal flaw, his the, the, the ways you lash out when you're in a bad mood creatively, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, all that stuff is like, mm-hmm. it's, it's now a physical threat. But um, we weren't quite openly saying it, and we had kind of a somewhat generic, creepy line in there, so then in ADR, and then through some clever edit, we added that line. Um, something about the Brin paper. Brin says our dark manifestation, and that yes. ownership of it. Our dark manifestation. That was not in the script. That was not shot. That was an ADR mm. line that I was like, we need to be more clear. I missed an opportunity. Right. Um, let's let's get you know let's unpack this and get get that get, put this in there. Nice. Um, mm. And there were other moments of clarity, you know, and this is true of every movie. Uh, you know, you screen it and people are confused and they're like, oh, shit, I thought that made sense. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> but one one sort of pulling the curtain back moment I'm particularly proud of uh, is there's a, a scene where they're in the cave with the stalactites and stalagmites and they're trying to figure out, like, what the new plan is. And, and Annie, like, encourages him, you know, to, if you, in order, you've got to build the chrysalis in order to risk rescue us. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. uh, yes, and, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. that that was that that was all in the script but people weren't quite clear on what the new mission was so we had we had one master shot where we had a locked off camera and we just happened to be rolling during a rehearsal and james urbaniak was standing with his back to the camera in this wide shot while we were rehearsing something and happened to shoot it and then when it came to the edit it was like okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna cut to the wide we're going to digitally put James back in this shot because it's a locked off <laughs> camera, which means the camera doesn't move at all. So you can like layer things on top of each other and they'll, sure. they'll seem like natural. Um, sure. We're going to put James back in the shot. His back is to camera so we can have him say something because you're not going to see that his mouth isn't moving. And an ADR, again, because it's James's character to have to restate everything for the camera. Um, you know we had james in adr go so let me get this straight we're gonna build the chrysalis and then destroy it would that be right he basically restates yeah. he recaps the scene yeah, yeah. um right. in, a, in a wonderful james Urbaniak ha- as Harry way but people weren't people needed the recap because some people weren't catching what that new mission was right um so we just had james say it and we found a way to without having to do any reshoots because we had no money to use a, a master <laughs> shot you know and in the, in the ultimate blocking he wasn't in that Frame. He was off camera to the other direction, but Mm -hmm. we just placed him there, and and you know no one catches it Mm -hmm. as being some sort of digital fix or a VFX shot. You know you wouldn't think of it as a a special effects shot. Yeah. But that was that was you know we we did a lot of those kinds of things where we were like right um, Mm -hmm. play that in reverse, but then have her off camera say this thing you know and you're like oh yep that that now it makes sense. Sure. We did we did that a lot you know which was the advantage of not having a release date, you know, and not having any, not having a studio and not having to answer to anybody. We had months to sit with the movie and and screen it for friends and see what works and see what didn't. And I would mm-hmm. take it on a flight after I hadn't seen it in a while. And I would watch the whole movie with the sound off and just be like, does this have an internal rhythm? Do any of these cuts okay. feel, do any of these cuts bump me or feel awkward? You know, mm-hmm. and like two or three times I was like, Oh, that didn't feel right. We, we, we got out of that scene too quickly. Um, and it's just a matter of a few frames here, a few frames there, um, more than a few frames, but a few, a, a beat here, a beat there. Mm-hmm. But the rhythm was off every once in a while. And I just had the I was able to go away from it for a month, mm-hmm. come back and, and, you know, watch it with the sound off on a plane because, you know, it's a movie. So it's got to work visually. Right. Right. Um, you have to be able your movie has to make sense with the sound off or you you know, you're just filming a play okay uh right, and relying right. relying too much on dialogue so um yeah we yeah. did that and you know that that's the advantage of, of no one breathing down our neck to to deliver yeah
3: no i think that uh, the the visual part of it is is you know stunning through this movie mm-hmm. and uh that's something mm-hmm. before we uh before we run too long here and run out of time with you uh, i want to talk about some of the some of the set design of this movie because that's really the mm. uh, that's really the, main the star is the uh as the exactly the main character I did not say
0: that to any of my actors but yeah the the <laughs> yeah. maze is the main character and I've actually heard Nick say that in like podcasts and interviews and I was like oh so he would this say that's that good uh, of him, to like his movies his name's in the title and he's the lead of the film but he, he, even he knew that you know He's only recognizes
2: the maze as a character absolutely He's only
3: tert- yeah. tertially responsible right yeah, <laughs> right. As he yeah. says it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. turns it rarely.
2: Yeah. Push
3: yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, my god.
1: There's a great yeah, we there's a great got dialogue so in that lucky. part
3: too. Sorry where he's like he's like people people are assholes. He's like no, it is. is, People is assholes. No wait, that still yeah. does not sound right. People no, does not sound <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: I love it. It's, everyone uh, is assholes. Yeah. What is He's like everyone are assholes. Is everyone is assholes? No, that doesn't. Sound. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> God. I didn't just, mean, to cut you off. They're so though. good. In the, yeah. no, no, no. I can riff on that all day long. They're so good in that moment. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, we got very lucky. I I had acted in uh, Trisha Gum's thesis film for the AFI directing workshop for women, and she was at the time the art director for Robot Chicken. Okay. And she's a hmm. a cut paper animator who uses down shooter animation. Um, similar to what our opening credits are, okay. um, and uh, and and closing credits actually, uh, and um, brought this project to her attention, and she loved it, and said she would be the production designer. By the time we actually got our financing in place, she was off working on, and by off I mean in Australia, working right. on uh, Lego Batman, and now she's co-directing yeah. the Lego movie sequel. Okay, um, nice. So we, in, to a degree, we lost her, but. Because she had said yes early on, we had the robot chicken cachet, which got actors to say yes and say to themselves, well, maybe they can pull this off because that show is very artful and, and designed so yes. well. Yeah. And then, you know, Trisha has such a good reputation and is, and is such a good spirit that if she's doing something, a lot of people will say yes. Plus that community, that robot chicken community, the stop motion community, the puppeteer community, these are small communities. Sure. And they just mm-hmm. want to play, you know. So it was basically like, hey, there's a gig on. Hey, dude, there's a gig on. Hey, call call Colville, There's a gig on, and people yeah. just started showing up, being mm-hmm. like, uh, "Can I do this? Can I do that?" Um, and uh, so she brought on John Sumner, who did our production design bible, and he's actually he's a fine artist who works in cardboard as a medium. Okay. Um, and he was, you know, his his bible is a it's a coffee table book. It's just a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm actually talking to a press outlet about getting some of that out there because it is it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, and you'll recognize like you can read the design Bible and be like, this is this is a previs of the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So the two of them were, were our leads, and then uh, Trisha's n- uh, now fiance, Jeff White, basically bailed us out when she couldn't be there and Sumner could do the Bible but couldn't be with us on set. Not you know, just like six weeks before production, Jeff stepped in. Okay. Um, and, or maybe maybe a little bit longer, but not much more lead time than that. And he took over and was our guy physically building with us on set. And he knew, you know, he's like, I got a friend. He's in, he's in the Cardboard Institute of Technology up in San Francisco. I got to call him. And we're like, the what? Um, and, you know, he, <laughs> and, and, and it was this guy, Mike Murnane, who built the Minotaur head. He built the Bryn face. He, you know, his, his aesthetic is all over the movie. He mm-hmm. built so much of the stuff. Um, and, uh. I love it. Jeff Sent him sent him the script and checked in. He hadn't read it, checked in, he hadn't read it. And then he called him. And he was like, have you read the script? No, I haven't. He said, listen, I'm going to call you in two hours. And by the time I call you, I want you to read the script. He's like, all right, all right. Um, mm-hmm. And he calls him two hours later, and he doesn't say anything. Murnane doesn't say anything. He's up in San Francisco, and he goes, so... Who's making that Minotaur head? Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff was like, "I got him." Yeah, and he came, he came down from San Francisco him. and was, you know, just just killed it. it just killed it. Right. Um, and more and more people, you know, it's a, like yeah. I said, it's a small community. More and more people were like, you know, we're in between shooting stuff. You guys are paying fifty bucks. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll show up for fifty bucks. You know, and then you yeah. get there and you see everybody working their ass off, and you're like, well, I better. I better step up. Oh yeah, know? the the credits. And everybody, of your, everybody just brought it.
3: In the credits of your uh, like your art department and the uh, the origami team, and it's just right. like yeah. it was just like dozens yeah. and dozens of people. And I'm like, wow, this is so many people that helped to make this stuff. It's really impressive. So
0: yeah, yeah. and it's a tribute. It's a tribute to the story. It's mm-hmm. a tribute to John Charles Meyer. He brought a lot of friends and family. Who you know, he would host these origami folding parties at the build space right. um and it'd just be pizza and beer and 10 friends would just fold origami for a few hours and he yeah, did an exactly. amazing job of reaching out to like uh, uh you know uh blog like origami fan clubs like mm-hmm. in inter- one of the mm-hmm. chat rooms or whatever nice. and, and a lot of these people fold origami things, yeah. they get together and fold origami on a sunday and then they throw that's it cool. away and they're like yeah we'll yeah. collect it for a few weeks and then just come back and pick it up you know that's awesome. um, yeah, you know, I mean, he did a lot more than that, but he he was always thinking along those lines, like getting people engaged and and saying yes, you know.
3: Sure. Now the all the different rooms and the different concepts that go along with these rooms, because every room kind of has its own little gimmick or a little personality or something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, was was a lot of that? I'm sure a lot of it you had kind of figured out ahead of time, but was there some things that sort of came up as you made it that? Oh, yeah. Um, do this room, and then you were like, oh, this would actually really work well to do with this idea.
0: Yeah, there were a few. Um, the uh, The mini maze, which is my favorite scene, <laughs> and I, 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 my favorite <laughs> soundtrack. Thing, yeah. and it's, just my, it's one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew there was going to be the mini maze within the maze. We didn't know what it would look like, and they just went with squares. They're like just you know, just double down on this idea of squares and it's perfect because basically Dave is boxing himself in mm-hmm, and yeah. I- in the movie. And then it's p- particularly in this moment, you see like, God, even within the maze, he was making, he's boxing himself in even further and he couldn't even finish that. It's like I know. <laughs> that like layer yeah. upon layer upon layer. So like square upon square upon square is perfect for that moment. And I just, sure. didn't, I didn't mandate that. That's just what they went with. It just happens to be perfect. And then, uh, the room where the bass player from okay, go gets skewered. Um, you know, he, he, Jeff was joking. He's like, well, we did squares last time. Let's do triangles this time. Uh, <laughs> and it looks really great. And then, you know, our costume designer had Tim come on set and he was wearing this shirt covered in triangles. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then Stephanie Allen came on set to shoot that scene. And she had these little triangle, like gold or silver triangle earrings. I'm like, everything in this room is triangles and no one communicated about this. Oh, wow. It's just oh. perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, Yeah. yeah. And, and even more specifically, uh. We well, those are pretty specific, but uh, we uh, again, John Charles Meyer uh, had the move um, reached out to a bunch of uh, factories about us just t- taking cardboard from them um, mm. that they that they throw out. American Apparel was mm. one of the ones that said yes, and they had these pallets of you know these stacks of pallets of, of um cardboard that we were all excited about. And when we got up to them, we saw that they had these sure. holes in them. We're like, ah, oh, damn it! Uh, um But we're like, you know, grab it anyway, grab it anyway. And then when we had them all stacked up in the build space, I said to Jeff, do you think you have enough there to make like a a tunnel? um right and then we can you know obviously the, the dp can light it so that we get these shafts of light and it'd be this beautiful moment and and i was like i'll, I'll find a place and if you think you make that i'll find the, the right place in the script for that to happen yeah you know and then i looked at the script and there was a scene a very intimate scene between yeah. David and annie that actually was was a much more dialogue heavy scene we ended up cutting it down to just looks because they were killing it they, mm. you know they were internalizing everything so much that we, did, we didn't need them to say it out loud right. um and it it's that that sort of hexagonal kind of looks like Two thousand one kind of looks like Bespin. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's very Star Warsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I was like, that's that's the right moment for that set. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was not designed for that moment. That was a set we knew we could have based on the shit we got for free. Mm -hmm. And then I found a place in the script where it made the most sense. Sure. And it's you know again, it's one of my one of my favorite moments. I think it's one of the most sort of not iconic because it's not an iconic film, but it's the image that I see passed around the most on the internet or when someone does an article or a post or uh, now that we're getting foreign sales, I've been seeing that image used in, in foreign press and and foreign posters and stuff like that. So it ended up becoming this because the movie is very much the Dave and Annie's relationship. There's this beautiful shot of the two of them in this amazing corridor. And like that, if American apparel didn't have those palettes, who knows what that scene would have looked like. I have no idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have a particular scene that was your favorite, Marco, or like a not a room of um, the place?
2: Not the room. The the the, the uh, like a scene by itself. Um, yeah, the the very first kill. <laughs> what was uh, the 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 yeah. beheading? Oh, the
3: booby trap. Love, really? yeah, yeah, and she I steps love, on the thing. Was and the then Annie? The... It, oh well, uh, Jane, yes, right? And then, it, and then it shows all the moving. Well, parts. Well,
2: Jane, is the one. That, yeah, it's the scream. Um, yeah. That, that shot where it focuses on the screen, I, I would just, and, and again, that's really kind of quick off in the movie. It's so powerful. Like, yeah, just, had, I mean, a lot I'm not supposed to be fun. One. And then it, it was just like, it was just, I mean, beautifully, beautifully shot. And of course, um, at the end of that, she goes, is that my good yarn? Right, <laughs> you know, like, good yarn? like, our
1: friend it's just
0: died. Line. But is that my, like she said, so Dave used her good yarn. It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah uh, i love that so i love confused. the uh, yeah. it's slow motion as the guts are exploding yes. and she's screaming but the music is double time you and know that's so that, that's that, it to get that great juxtaposition yeah and uh yes. and that again that uh, that pan that camera pan where it goes from her foot on the switch through the floor and then you see all the gears yes. and yes. the cockroach and all that the yeah. that whole shot that was eight months after principal photography with our with our um prop master's yeah. foot and uh there was a version of that in the script that actually was meant to take place in the spike bedroom. Like as the spikes were, we, we did it differently where the, the string is alive and laughing and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But in the script, oh, it was oh, okay. actually when you got to the spike bedroom, we were going to go under the floor and see that all, all of this stuff was about to happen and that he was, uh, it, it, you know, at risk. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. it didn't it didn't need it there. And I, uh, it, in in my mind, I thought, you know, like let, let the first kill come out of nowhere, and then the second kill will build up with a lot of tension. Now that you know someone can die, right? But right. Um, uh, that was interesting in theory. It, it, in in execution, it was much more fun to show show the gears and everything yeah. right off the right off the bat, and then give you that impression that like behind every wall, who fucking knows what's yeah, yeah. going on behind there? You no, know? I, yeah. It, sure. You know, sure.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, aesthetic-wise, I love the um, the the deck of cards room where they just keep oh, getting yeah, yeah. bigger yes. and bigger and bigger until it's like, interesting. The, that the was the full-size um, king one.
0: Yeah, that was uh, another case of uh, the producer just had boxes and boxes of playing cards, and we're like, oh, well, we got to do something." And then, you know, in retrospect, sure, it's Alice in Wonderland, it's you know all these wonderful right. things, but also that really informs then the zoetrope, right? Um, and I, and I, and all of that was based on this idea that I had said, to, you know, Dave is lost in all these worlds, but he loves Annie. She's the, she's the queen of right. all of the worlds that, of all of his fantasy worlds. So then the idea of king and queen came into, into play and made a lot of sense. And it was nice showing Dave as the king, you know, he kind of had, we had the samurai sword, we had the king imagery mm-hmm. and, you know, the sort of taking ownership of, um, of that, uh. Uh, yeah, stepping up yeah. into that. You know, there at, at one point the, the Zotrope had three tiers and the second tier was Annie as the queen, which okay. you know, would would, would right. have been nice but was not affordable. Uh, right. But it you know, we sort of tied it back. I actually have that giant king sitting here in my room. The queen didn't make it, but the kings in, in my in my office. Nice. Um, nice. The uh that that sort of motif Ended up coming back in in the chrysalis, and then you know, as they're cutting, yeah. building the chrysalis, is cutting the playing cards. Yeah, they kind of show up, and you know, as as it unfolds, there's there's playing card designs all on the, the stand and everything. So it, it, we ended up really making a motif out of it, and and it's got that nice Alice in Wonderland kind of, yeah. you know, wink.
3: Was, was the uh, the chrysalis scene was that all practical? Like they actually yeah. made the the real zoetrope, where it all yep. was built the real zoetrope.
0: That's um, awesome. we, the zoetrope was not available in principal photography, so we shot it in a way where it's just off camera, just below them, and you're just seeing the tips of things all okay. the time, um, and just getting the reaction shots, knowing okay. that we could then cut to the inserts um, eight, nine, ten months later. <laughs> yeah, but uh, right, it uh, it was yeah, it was practically shot. We've got all the, all the raw footage. You can see it spin and just randomly spin, and then when you hit that frame rate and the, the motor speed. Mm-hmm. And it syncs up. It just starts animating. It's the most magical thing.
3: Yeah, it almost doesn't even look real when you when you watch it in right. the movie. It's so perfect the way um, that, it,
2: that it flows. I could have I could have swore it was CG. I, I yeah. seriously, I could have
0: swore that was CG. That's awesome. Yeah, the only I mean, we used comps obviously for getting the stop motion stuff in there. But the only sure. time we used green screen was um, Annie and Dave standing mm-hmm. against it for when they turned when they became. Uh, when the black and white screen spilled out onto them.
2: Oh right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Projection. Yeah, was, yeah. was the only time we used any kind of any kind of green screen. Everything okay. else was uh, everything else was handmade. in The whole movie.
3: Yeah, my my other uh, my favorite room of the labyrinth slash maze is. Hey uh, hey <laughs> 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 Was it was the uh, well? Let me. I'll do that and then I'll ask my other question. <laughs> um yeah. Is the the forced perspective room? Oh yeah! There was just so many. Yeah, I like, haven't seen this movie in a while. There was so many clever gimmicks in it. <laughs> where you're like, you know, they go up and they pick up the giant coffee mug, but then the chair it is guessed. tiny, and oh, it like, was
0: great. Right. Yeah. We actually had we had more planned. That was uh, we. Had, there was a nice moment where Harry reached for a, a teacup, but it was um, I forget what you call it. It was it was. Uh, it, it was flat. Like, it looks like it's okay. there, but it's actually flat and elongated. Right. And he's like, oh, okay. he like, ah, okay. God. And then he crumples it up and throws it in frustration. But when he throws it, it smashes against the wall and there's liquid. Oh, nice. Oh, so nice. We had we had a bunch of gags planned in there, and we just had to start throwing stuff out, kind of as, as sure. it got more to the day. We're like, all right, we got to be a little bit more realistic about this. Well, right, because
3: um, it was at a perfect point where you yeah. get
0: to the in the movie where you're
3: like, okay, well, what's going to be the thing with this? Like, we already had the piano room and the other. And you're like, okay, right. this just looks like a normal room. What's the deal? You know, and you're just kinda wait <laughs> right. And then the first thing that they move, and then the second thing, and like all of a sudden your mind is just blown. Oh my God! It's, everything is. You know, he walks into yeah. the the door, but it's like a it's just a flat painting instead of actually
0: a doorway, right. and like. <laughs> right. I love that one. I know. I yeah. love The fun one. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, and that I really enjoyed that scene because obviously it was a, it was a oneer, a one take thing, so we right. had to really rehearse it so that everyone hit the right marks and the right beats and the timing felt right and also the performance was dialed in so that was one of the only scenes that we actually really blocked rehearsed choreographed right um most of the rest of it we were just trying to grab on the fly or a lot of Mm -hmm. the rest of it we were trying to grab on the fly or we had one blocking rehearsal and the actor's like i think i should be over here okay great go to hair and makeup we'll we'll figure it out
3: (laughs) that one you really have to have the right timing and placement too because it's all in the visual gag you know so I mean, yeah it has to be pretty well blocked out and planned and everything for it all to actually
0: work so yeah yeah and you know we did we did go in and clean up a couple things like they like where where the there was some about where the chair was touching the table we had to clean up with a digital thing and then obviously we had to comp the guys coming up the window right um and we even used some some shading on that that moment you're talking about when Gordon opens the door and walks right into it. We used some shading to make it seem a little bit more 3D because the actual the set that we had didn't quite read as as so it's it, you know it, we took what was there and just shaded it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't actually a, like a digital. It, it, it was a practical effect. We just, right. we just juiced juiced it slightly. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, that was that was that was a good one. Oh, I meant to tell you. Uh, So that joke at the end where it's like we need a title how about dave made a maze hey it's a labyrinth on a maze um (laughs) there are there are not that many languages i mean i've seen the movie now in catalonia in korea in uh brazil um i've caught the tail end of the movie in a lot of different countries strasbourg um Mm -hmm. there are not that many countries where that joke lands because uh you can see in the in the um subtitles mm-hmm. that they they use the same word twice uh, so they're basically saying what uh, they've made a maze well it's technically it's not a, a maze it's a maze right i like guess oh, that's, okay. that's what they're saying uh, in the yeah. subtitles. so i'm like man i have not heard that joke land with a foreign audience ever
3: <laughs> yeah right they must not have a, a a word separation for the two differences of them so <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Or, I was, or they just right. didn't, they sure didn't work Blank that Blank, hard. You know? just... Yeah, well, that yeah. was <laughs> that was kind of leading to the other thing that I was going to ask, but I didn't want to lose my thought about The Force Perspective Room, was <laughs> uh, obviously Dave Made a Maze has a little bit better of a, a ring to it. It mm-hmm. you know, fits better than Dave Made a Labyrinth. Uh, and you right. don't want to <laughs> make another movie with, with Labyrinth in the title. Uh, <laughs> Leo so. Made a Labyrinth? Right. Yeah, um, was there some influence from the movie Labyrinth, which was interesting because we had just covered that on a recent episode where we did a review of it and kind of broke down some of the stuff that we loved about that? Was there some influence from from you guys as far as anything that you put into the movie that was maybe taken from something like that?
0: Um, definitely, it's a spirit. It's our spirit animal, no question. Sure, sure. Um, it's a movie that I love, and and what they, you know, what Henson does practically and insists on doing in camera, you know. Mm-hmm. No question. But the only thing that I would, the only specific thing I can think of offhand that it, is an actual lift, um, there's that bit where uh, there's, and it's really quick, but there's three stones, and as the camera pans by, they make David Bowie's face. They make the, the Goblin King's face. Okay. Um, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? It's... They're like three stones in space. Yeah. and they line up uh, it, it, they, and I actually remember it differently when I went to watch it. I was like, oh, that's not how I remember it. Yeah, um, so we we shot what I how we shot it how I remembered it. <laughs> but um, right. it, the, you know there's three things in space and they line up to make the uh, Goblin King's face. Mm-hmm. That was the inspiration for that eye gag. Okay. where she she rips open the wall and there's the giant eye and you're, you think like oh my God, there's a monster right on the other side, but it's actually not that at all. It's these three right, things right. in space right. and if you just if you look sure, at it sure. the right way, yeah. And that, and a lot of that was also thematically important to us, like mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking about when we were talking about the, the, the dialogue that, that shifts in, in on how you can choose your attitude or your attitude can change, even though you're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can appreciate something, the same thing that can be poisonous can be something you can choose to appreciate. Um, right, right. Uh, th- a lot of it was about perspective, like it, it, it's it's a metaphor for the creative process. The creative process can be a trap. Yes. Or it can be the thing that sets you free, you know, yes. Um. so when you're talking about how important perspectives are, are, things like the perspective room and that eye gag that, that is that is directly influenced by Labyrinth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that, that that's why that's why they're there. They're fun. They were fun to execute. They're referencing things that I love, but they're in my movie for a reason. Sure. Because right, right. the whole, whole movie is about perspective. The whole movie is about. If you look at it this way, you're in trouble. But if you look at it this way, mm-hmm. you're fine. Right. So cho- choose which way you want to be looking. You know. Sure.
3: Well, and you could definitely see the influence that you have from that because of your desire to keep as much as you can practical and to build everything and make it all right. these tangible things that people can feel and and you know really pops out of the screen in 3D, not just is something that's a, a
0: 2D flat that's kind of painted in the background yeah. or whatever, unless it's supposed to be that. Yeah. Way. I mean, if, if you're making a movie <laughs> about an artist. Everything has to be handmade, or sure, sure. unless you're making a movie about a digital artist. Like if you're making Tron and he's mm-hmm. all about computers, perfect.
3: Yeah, exactly. You get stuck right. on a computer
0: and everything's computers. Duh. That's exactly how it should work. <laughs> but if you're making a movie about a guy and you're trying to sell that he's an artist and you're seeing in the opening credits him try to do all of these different things, yeah, with his hands, then and you don't go ahead and make the whole movie by hand, then you're like. Mm-hmm. what why are you even making the movie Like right, it's, a, right. it's, a, it's a lie it's it's so dishonest sure
3: uh cool so I think um, you know I don't, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to ask particularly about the movie Marco or if there's any other parts you wanted to bring up uh, and then we'll just kind of uh, see if you have anything coming up that you want to talk about and we'll wrap the show up here but uh, before we oh, get cool. off of Dave no, uh... I
2: um the only thing um like uh like the vagina room um, <laughs> The late yeah, Dave Ted, he told uh, Gordon, I made that for you. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Can you elaborate just a little bit further on that? Because I, I mean, I, I love that scene. It was that because Gordon wasn't the, he was kind of like living, living alone maybe, it's his, his character living alone maybe with his parents still or something that, that you know, maybe you need a girlfriend or something that he built that room for him.
0: I think it was something I I, don't, I can't claim to have thought about it that much. You know, Steve wrote that line, um, mm-hmm. if I remember. Um, I think I think it's more just like you can just picture Dave making it, and being like, "Oh man, Gordon's gonna think this is awesome." <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like obviously Annie's not gonna think this is awesome. Right. Uh, I love how we, everybody we was hypnotized by it. That, her, yeah. But he's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, man, G- Gordon's gonna think this is awesome. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of think it think it more more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear you. But I, yeah, that I, that's, that seems a lot of fun for me. There's one thing I, I meant to bring it up earlier, but we're, so you were talking about how, how, I actually can't remember exactly what made me think of it, but it was when we were talking about Gordon. Um, there's one, I, one last thing I just love about that character and, and how, how it worked so well and what was so fun about mm-hmm. it. He was described as being um, a, a borderline asshole, plays a lot of, obviously, plays a lot of video games. Mm hmm. So right. then, that informed uh, his shirt. You know, it had like an eight-bit video game character on it, and we wanted he right. didn't want to use something in pop culture. We wanted to own it, so yes. we just had, we had. and then it informed his theme music. Like when he first walks in, it's all the beeps and boops, like Atari style. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and then uh, so he's here's this guy who uh, who's detached. You know, he's kind of sarcastic. He's always lobbing jokes. He's detached. He's not, you know, he plays video games where you're the hero, but he's not the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He's always one step removed. And this character's kind of one step removed throughout the, the thing, even though he knows all the rules and understands how things work. He's never right. he's never the guy. So then every time in the movie, when he does something heroic, um, there's two major points in the film. Um, and comes out the other side. Like the first is when he goes and, and, and the Minotaur is threatening to come through the wall and he goes and, and, and the t- the towel is starting to fall and he goes and fixes the towel, but gets caught
1: temporary
0: um, door. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's at risk, uh, but he puts himself at risk so that the Minotaur doesn't get his friends. Uh, right. and then the second time being, uh, the Minotaur is about to charge into the chrysalis chamber and he's like, He's like, oh, what is that? Is that is that the entrance over here? And he distracts the Minotaur and takes away yeah. That's the second time. Right. He, that he right. he's heroic, actually heroic in real life.
1: Mm-hmm. And Correct. both of those
0: times, um, his shirt changes. Yes. The I, first I time that. he does the heroic thing, the, the video yeah. game character on his shirt goes from 8-bit to 16-bit. And it's yes. sort of like he's he's becoming, it's getting more advanced, more, more uh, clear. Mm-hmm. And then the last time, yes. when he really risks his neck with the Minotaur and faces him face to face, but survives... He comes out and his shirt has changed again, and it's now whatever's after 16, 32 bit or whatever. And yeah. and it's um, the character in the game is actually him. You know, okay. it's got his beard and it's got his glasses, and he has actually yeah. now become the hero of the game. Right. Because, right. Be, because he was heroic in real life, you know? Yeah. I'm, sort of like those yeah, two characters. Yeah, I saw things.
2: that. Yeah, I saw that because of the he-, he was doing that, because we're essentially, like in my head, we're essentially in Dave's brain this whole time the maze is dave and so as gordon was doing these things dave saw because at the beginning of the film i mean uh, he said call gordon no call uh, steven right and he goes no call gordon like he didn't know maybe he didn't really have the confidence in gordon too much um and then by the end of the film he was like yeah you you actually grew to this uh um hero that i see you now as and that's why his shirt changed yeah I, i thought that was that was amazing
0: nice yeah I didn't know yeah, that was even fun so. I remember when we came up with that uh, and, and it's not something I expected people to catch It was sure it, mm-hmm. it was just that it was there but when we first came up with the shirt the idea for the shirt and then and then I think I don't remember I, I, I remember we had the idea for the shirt and I don't remember, I remember right away I had the idea for it to evolve or mm-hmm. if we saw the first design right. and we're like ooh what if but uh, right but yeah, that, yeah, you know yeah. that that came pretty late that came like a couple weeks out when we were trying to finalize wardrobe
1: nice um
0: but that's yeah, that's a, that's a little Easter egg that I that I that I quite enjoy.
3: Yeah, i will have to cool. watch for that next time. Now I have to watch it again soon because we're we're gonna do a, a full review of the movie actually coming up on our next uh, review episode. So, oh, okay. nice! So I gotta actually take notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope it holds up. <laughs> have you? Uh, yeah, I oh watched God, it a couple it times already. So um, yeah, have you ever seen or heard of the movie John dies at the end? Oh yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. we're, we're pairing you up with that movie. I feel like that's a good That's uh, a very good pairing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like two, sure, yeah. two groups of people living in this uh, reality that then also live in this alternate reality. was mm-hmm. kind of the theme. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people kind of buy into it right away and a lot of people don't. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good parallel. It's, it's definitely come up before in, in, in uh, like at festivals and stuff. Right. People ask me if I've seen that one. It's, it's a really good parallel.
3: So yeah, will. Uh, I have to go back through and I will definitely watch for the shirt to change when I take notes. For the <laughs> yes. Episode. Nice.
2: Uh, I, I actually pulled up, um like, I actually like freeze framed it and I, and I did the little, little slider uh, when I was watching. I go, yep, yep. The shirt changed. So I had to like, um, oh, amazing. make sure I, I did. I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I go, I got to make sure the shirt changed before I bring this or if it came up, I know what he's talking about. So, sure. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Nice. Yeah.
3: yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so before we get off the movie, I'll just uh, I'll mention my my other favorite Gordon moment was um, when when he was being directed by Harry to, uh, yeah. to when Bryn comes in and she's hysterical and he's like
0: you have to get more into oh, it. Yeah. And he's
3: like he's like start shaking
0: her and he starts shaking her. Yeah. Like, Why are you shaking me for? Her?
3: Because I'm brimming with emotion. Brimming with
0: emotion. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 those lines were yeah. all there, but James or Banny going more hey. That was just yeah. Was James. yeah. It adds to it James. of him
3: of him directing oh, them to do god, this. Oh god, that thing. is so funny. And Gordon yeah. is the best one at buying into it. He's he's the one that's really sold. Yeah, because he the wants to be the star. Thing. He right. wants to be you know. That's yes. why he jumps
0: in front of the camera and he's like, "Then we better take out the recycling." Yeah, you know, like he's, he wants to be he wants <laughs> to be the star. <laughs> oh,
3: that's great! Right, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, obviously we both love this movie and, uh, we're going to do some some extra coverage on this and try and get as many people as we can, uh, paying attention to it. I've been posting whenever I watch it and stuff, so.
0: that, that means so much. Thank
3: you. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, though, um, is is there anything that you have coming up? It, you seem to have a love hate with this uh, writing and directing thing, but are you going to give that another <laughs> shot?
0: Or? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We got it. We got a few things in the works. I've been out pitching a lot. I got a script I've written that we're we're making an offer to. Uh, the lead actor actually first thing tomorrow morning. I, I, while we were doing this, I was getting texts from the producer that the offer's going out in the morning. So nice. nice. Uh, and it's got monsters and kung fu and rock and roll. It'd be really fun. Oh, perfect. Um, there, <laughs> much yeah. bigger scale than Dave made a maze, but uh, but nice. I can, it's, it can definitely pull it off. And nice. then I just nice. directed two music videos that should be coming out. Okay. For, hopefully within a month. Um, one for actually the bass player from OK Go. He's in a band called Jaja Technique, XXT. And we got a music video coming out uh, that's all marionettes, which is really awesome. And then uh, I did another puppet and cardboard thing with a, a musician called Greg Felden. And we'll, we'll be putting that out, too, probably on, on his website, gregfelden.com. Um, so, yeah, I made a couple music videos in the meantime, and then we're out pitching. I've got a whole slate of TV shows. We're trying to get some traction on, some animated, some live action. We'll We'll get something going.
3: Nice, nice. Uh, what would you say would be like a like a dream project for you? If they were like, I want you to you know play in the sandbox or make this type of thing, or is there like a specific um, genre type of thing? Or you seem like you're more of a genre bender type.
0: Yeah, definitely. Type. Like one thing I'm working on's got vampires. One thing I'm working on is steampunk fantasy. Uh, it's all weird stuff. It's all world building stuff. And then I'm sure, looking sure. at uh, adapting. Uh, a short story um, that would be very, very Gondry, Burton, Gilliam. Um, mm-hmm. And that project's getting some traction. There's a couple kids' books I love that uh, would, would be great in the puppetry practical effects space. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I got a, a TV show that I really want to make that has a super surreal it, it's wax museum um, device that I'm, I just love. Nice, nice. So I, you know, at this point, I just wanna, I just wanna make again. It, it, yes. I don't even care. I don't care what it is as long as it's weird. I wanna make it. Yeah, yeah. Cool.
3: Well, let's. You know, we hear more from. Uh, well talk to people that are more specifically connected just to horror and you know so you made this kind of movie what's another you know horror movie you'd like to make or whatever but obviously you know this movie doesn't fill just one category it's a whole bunch of different things and it sounds like the stuff you're working on is going to be more of the same at least in
0: spirit yeah it's all it's definitely all a genre i lean a little bit more fantasy than horror but uh everything i'm doing has a, a body count a lot of them have really unhappy endings Sure. sure um, yeah. But, well. Uh, even yeah. Though, and I, uh, I, you know, talking about doing practical effects for the the giant monster in my next movie. Okay. Um. Uh. So it's it's definitely all going to be in that. It's either going to be puppets, right? Uh, monsters, uh, or kung fu weapons. Yeah. Or and, all three.
3: No, that's nice. perfect. Yeah. Well, yes. even even though the all the, of the above. <laughs> 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 excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Even though we are you know primarily a horror podcast we kind of stray all over the place to just whatever is kind of interesting mm-hmm. and you know as long as it's horror adjacent or it you know, <laughs> right it kind of right. you know at least holds hands with horror sometimes so yeah well it's a good
0: that. time it's a good time even studios are starting to wake up to you know obviously you get del toro winning a, a, an oscar and right um, yes Get out and a uh, quiet place doing so well like
3: mm-hmm.
0: th- whatever stigma has been around my whole life on on these kinds of pictures. Right, uh, is long long gone. So it's a great right. time.
3: Sure, right. and even yeah, just the, the willingness to take a chance on stuff that's not conventional or remakes or whatever is great. Right. So you know that's yeah. what we need right. more of yeah. is more creative stuff like your movie that isn't like anything else necessarily so you know that's that's the the beauty and for me is finding these things and and you know honest to god i just Completely came across your movie at random, browsing nice. browsing through Hulu one night. Um, I'm always I'm I'm one of those guys where I spend as much time looking for what I'm gonna watch as I do watching it.
1: I know that one. <laughs> so, I'm always like looking yeah.
3: through, and I'll like, oh, let me watch a trailer for this. Oh, that looks kind of stupid. Yeah. Oh, what what the hell is this? Dave made a maze. I don't I never <laughs> heard of that. It's got kind of a cool cover. Let me watch the trailer. So. Uh oh, we lost him. Oops.
2: Oh no. Oh no, we lost him.
3: Let's see if he see if he comes back. If he jumps back in her, uh, doesn't say that he. Let me see. I'm trying to call back.
2: Do you know when we, when hey, we lose a call?
3: Always. Uh... Oh, there we go. No, hey.
2: <laughs> that's why.
3: No, it's all right. I, I was trying to figure out I'm who like... we lost or what happened. So. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Just cut out. Yeah. Uh,
3: where? That's all right. It happens. Not a problem. Uh, But yeah, I was just saying I I came across a completely random. I'll I'll browse and I saw the title and the cover looked cool to me. So I watched the trailer and then I was like, oh, my God, I need to see the rest of this right now. Mm-hmm. You know and and it's it's not like there's not like a lot of there's mystery to the movie and in the, and the way of like you wonder what's gonna happen next, but even in the trailer, it's kind of like, okay, there's this box in the middle of the living room and then he says right in there that you know it's it's bigger inside than it seems like and it's you bigger on the inside. <laughs> right. you yeah. get the impression right away so yeah. there's not this mystery of of anything like you said you you know within the first five or ten minutes if you're if it's for you or not so yes. Uh, but no, we just, uh, you know, we super appreciate the time to learn more about these things when we, I'm, I'm always trying to find the next like cool thing and then try to learn more about it if it's something that really sticks with me like this. So, you know, it's, it's just great to be able to have that opportunity to talk to you and to hear more about what went into making it and the characters yeah. and all that stuff is, is great for us and, and for the people oh, that listen, people really like it. So. Great. Yeah, uh, it's I, fun I, for, for me. I,
0: I love reliving it. Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, I I can sit here and listen to your stories on how you made this like all day. Right. Seriously, right. I'm like, I wish I had more questions and stuff, but I, you're like answering them all as you're as you're talking, and I'm just like, man, this I know. Is, this sounds so fun. Sure. You know that you know, like I said, you are nervous wreck making it, but it, like this sounds like a such a fun ride, and sure, I, sure. I, I'm just like, like, like can we just continue? Yeah, just keep going. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm around. I'll
3: be back. Oh yeah. <laughs> cool yeah definitely next cool. time cool. you uh cool. you have a thing we'll we'll get on it sooner than a year after it came out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, you know we're, we're trying to stay on top of things now that we're kind of have the podcast rolling and, and actually yes, yes. catch the stuff as it's coming out a little bit faster so uh when your movie first came out we didn't actually have this podcast started yet so oh right. nice so, right. yeah. uh cool so before we uh let you go uh, just let all of uh you know all the people listening know where they can get the movie and, and follow you keep oh yeah activities oh thank you
0: that's that's good of you um the movie's streaming on Hulu now we're we're on uh, iTunes Amazon uh, mm-hmm. Google Play YouTube Vimeo uh, PlayStation Xbox 360 run all the, the sort of the rental platforms too. right um, you can get the DVD on Amazon. You can get the DVD through our website, DaveMadeAMaze.com, mm-hmm. and we're on Instagram and Facebook as Dave Made a Maze, and then Twitter. oh no, I think yeah, you'll find us on on Facebook as Dave Made a Maze, but I think it's actually called Dave Made a Fan Page because we were trying to be clever. And then Twitter <laughs> nice. is Dave Made a Tweet for the same reason. Thought we would be clever. Sure. Um, don't know if it's good marketing or not. I don't care. It makes me laugh.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> Uh, and then I'll be posting on, you know, my upcoming projects. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Bill Tweeterson. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm on Instagram as not that Bill Waterson.
3: That's right. I, <laughs> I,
0: I forgot that I was going to ask you
3: before about the, uh, or I was going to mention before that you are not the Kelvin and Hobbes Bill Watterson.
0: <laughs> not quite. Right. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> well, still a pretty creative guy. And I think you got a lot <laughs> to... Uh, to offer to us here over the next several years of the, of the work that you put out. So we're really, really yeah, looking forward to that. I think so to too. That. Thanks. Okay. Really appreciate
0: that. It's very uh, encouraging.
3: So before we um, just, we'll, we'll hit our outro here and then mm-hmm. we'll, uh, after we, after we get off the recording, we can say our goodbyes formally, but uh, before we hit our outro here, uh, I just wanted to ask you one thing before we left and that was, did you fuck my, yeah. <laughs> fuck my
2: wife. Fuck my wife. Fuck my wife.
0: There's no, there's no did. It's just you fuck my wife.
1: Yeah. You fuck my wife. You fuck
3: my wife. <laughs> 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 nice. Uh, but no, I, I again, I appreciate the time and yes. uh, just for anyone that's listening, I, if you, for some reason, have not seen the movie and you're not sold on it yet, then trust me, if you, if you value our opinion, you will yes. like this movie. <laughs> absolutely, and it is absolutely worth it. And we will definitely keep up with you through all your social media. And whoever runs the Dave Mada Maze Instagram, I appreciate they're always liking uh, my my posts
0: as
1: well.
3: So
0: <laughs> that's me. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, Rossi. I'd like I'd like to think I have a team, but I don't. It's just me. <laughs> well, we've
3: had different results of that where people will it will be a producer or somebody else that does it. So,
0: yeah. on my, on my next one, I imagine it'll be some twenty year old. But uh, for now, <laughs> it's me. <crazy. laughs> well, th- thank true. you for liking our podcast
3: posts and my movie of recommendations. So. <laughs> you guys do good work. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and obviously, anyone listening, I always say if you are listening, you know where to find our show. But we are on iTunes and Stitcher. And we are on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network and the Legion Podcast Network. So check all the shows out on there. And we thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time.
0: East? is that right
3: yes yeah this is uh i'm paul and i live in buffalo
0: oh hey paul hey. oh it's cold
3: still right uh it's, it's warming up finally we're getting
0: there you say so <laughs>
3: Time and I, I, I don't know. Got some kind of a glitch in my computer. Some kind of a gremlin got in there. Was fucking it all up for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't happy. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, as the, uh, I guess the, the producer. You know it's all on me i got to make sure the recording is good and the the thing i put out is good and i'm always hard on myself about that but
0: uh, it's good to have standards Yeah, it is it's better, yep. to, it's better to have people working for you but it's good to have standards <laughs> yes
3: yeah yes. <laughs>
2: Oh, that went I'm good seriously was- like I, I was like yeah i was just like sitting there and and uh just listening to him talk and i for i honestly forgot <laughs> i forgot that we were recording for a second just for a second mm-hmm. i forgot that we were recording and i was just listening to the conversation you right, know what right. i mean i was just kind of like uh, like we were just on the phone with them just talking that was that was fun yeah